I'm not ready. Okay. I have to remember my intro. It's just the same intro. Oh, there's a nostalgia break. I don't <laughs> Welcome to Scary Pair, a horror movie podcast between partners. I'm Nine. And I'm the holder of the inheritance, Opal. Wow. Uh, And this week we watched Crimson Peak, uh, the 2015 Guillermo del Toro horror romance film uh, starring Tom Hiddleston, Maya Wasikowska, and Jessica Chastain. Uh, but before we get into that, Opal, what have we been up to this week? We saw Nope! But more importantly, we watched a bunch of Goosebumps episodes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we should probably address the new intro as is appropriate. We saw we saw a little bit of Goosebumps. I want to say like three or four episodes. Yeah. We watched Monster Blood. There's just like some on Netflix. Wait, we saw a worm one. <laughs> the worm one was very funny. Do you have a favorite Goosebumps book? Um... It's hard to say because I don't remember any of them that much, but um, I feel like I remember liking the one where they're putting on the school play, uh, but I don't remember the title of that one. I don't think I read that one, but I had quite a few. I read a lot in the school library, but I also owned probably 20 or so of them. They're very collectible. I I really like Don't Go in the Basement. Where the dad becomes a tree. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I never owned any Goosebumps books, but I think I read like almost all of the ones in our school library. So in mine. So what can I say? I got hooked. Uh, but yeah, we saw Nope, the new Jordan Peele film. Uh, it was good. It was good. Go see it. It was good. Go see it. Um, we're actually thinking of putting out a, a mini episode that might just be as long as a regular episode <laughs> talking about Nope because we liked it so much and we just want to talk about it. Yeah, look out for that in your podcast feed, assuming we do it. Yeah, uh, I think we'll do it. I think we'll do it. It might even come out before this. but uh, Let's put this one out first. Sure. Just so, that, just so you know it's coming. Sounds good. Um, but yeah, uh, so, you know. We'll get into our deeper thoughts there, but we liked it. The performances were good. Uh, Going blind if you can. Yeah. Um, That's it. We'll save the rest of our thoughts for the the bonus hit. Oh, uh, we're planning on maybe doing like a Jordan Peele marathon in the coming week. We'll definitely talk about that too. Yeah. Um, It'll be fun to compare, but yeah. Three um, for three, I would say. Definitely. Definitely. Should we get into... Our movie for the week. Absolutely. Alright, um, I guess a tiny bit of background before we get in. This is like a gothic period piece horror romance. Um, you can call it gothic horror. Yeah. It, it's very that genre. Yeah, totally. Um, so we open on a injured white woman who says the ghosts are real. Uh, 
she gives this little uh, speech, and then we kind of get into the period uh, montage. Uh, my first note here is that the period outfits are pretty swaggy. Uh, the fashion in this movie is very, very good. You can tell that um, a fashion major has done their research here with costumes in accordance to different characters and things like that. Specifically, the main character is very turn-of-the-century yeah. era. I also heard there was like some um, color choices made with the outfits. Like uh, Only certain characters wear red throughout the oh, movie. Oh yeah, of course. Um, so that was very good. Naturally, that's, that's part of costume design. Yeah. Um, so our protagonist is Edith, um, and she tells us that as a child she would see a ghost, specifically um, the ghost of her mother who died of black cholera. Uh, and her mother's ghost would warn her to beware of the Crimson Peak. Uh, it's a cool looking ghost. It's like black it is a really and cool looking ghost. kind of smoky and spindly. And... To the surprise of no one, it's Doug Jones playing the creepy ghost <laughs> with his spindly hands. It is very spindly. Uh, I mean, if it's a creature in a Del Toro movie that's spindly, it's Doug it's Jones. Doug Jones. Um, I have another note here that the colors are very like Del Toro in this movie. Um, especially during like this flashback sequence where there's a lot of like blues and oranges. It felt very Pan's Labyrinth to me. Yeah, we gotta watch that again sometime. That's a good one. Um, but we cut to Buffalo, New York, 14 years later. It's like the turn of the century. We're on a bustling city square. Um, Edith is trying to get her manuscript published. It is like a horror romance story that features a ghost. Um, the ghosts are a metaphor. The ghosts are a metaphor. For the past. For the past. This won't ever come up in the movie. <laughs> uh, she's flirting with Alan, who is an ophthalmologist, whose uh, family shows up to kind of big time Edith. Um, they say, uh, oh, you want to be the next Jane Austen? And she's like, no, I want to be the next Mary Shelley, which is funny. It's very, uh, Belle is the only one who knows how to read. <laughs> it's very not like other girls a little bit. Yeah. Um, Stop that woman from writing. <laughs> well that's the next scene so she meets with a guy named ogilvy who uh, doesn't want to publish her story he tells her that it needs a love story and kind of dismisses it um maybe he was right she <laughs> she decides that um she's gonna type up her story to disguise her handwriting and submit it to like a local paper um so that people won't know that she's a woman yeah um woman behavior Enter Sir Thomas Sharp, aka Tom Hiddleston, looking like uh, I think he the said the Onesler. <laughs> he said the Onesler has arrived when he showed up on screen. Thank you, thank you for crediting me for uh, my commentary as the movie was happening. He's looking very Tumblr sexy man here. Um, I mean, is it a coincidence? Is it? Is it really? Is it? Uh, he uh, kind of accidentally reads Edith's story a little bit and compliments her on it. Um, he's in town because he's trying to mine this liquid red clay that is not blood. Absolutely not. No. Um, Why would it be? Uh, Edith's dad, Mr. Cushing, dismisses him as kind of desperate and not honest and hardworking. He gives him a speech about how my hands are rough. 
a reflection of who I am. He holds Tom Hiddleston's hands and he says, you have very soft hands. No, he says, you've got the softest hands I've ever felt. (laughs) That's a beautiful compliment, isn't it? Uh, And he says, in America, we bank on effort, not privilege, which, lol, whammo. Did did you catch that? um, It's it's kind of a, it's an homage to Peter Cushing. The name Cushing, yeah. Yeah. I I think that's kind of funny. Classic Um, actor, Peter Cushing. I mean, this movie is kind of an homage to some classic horror movies. uh, Oh, of course. The like of which you might see Peter Cushing in. So, yeah. Yeah. Um... Edith is talking with her dad, Mr. Cushing, who tells her that he doesn't like uh, Thomas Sharp, Tom Hiddleston's character. Um, he's clearly trying to kind of set her up with Alan, who's, um, he's played... He's, he's got a stronger jaw. He's played by Charlie Hunman, who was in Del Toro's previous movie, Pacific Rim. Yeah, I, w- I saw that he's more of an action movie guy. Which is funny. Apparently he was sold on being in this movie because Del Toro said he was going to be the damsel in distress. <laughs> kind of. Um, there's like some kind of fancy socialite party going on, but Edith uh, stays home to kind of work on her writing. Um, it's very um, Regency fan fiction. 100%. <laughs> like... I could see teens swooning over this movie big time. Big time. Like, it's it's very, like, the um, 2000s Pride and Prejudice movie yeah. to me. Um, anyway, Edith is frightened because she sees the ghost of her mother, who, again, warns her to beware the Crimson Peak. Um, but Thomas comes by and kind of convinces Edith to come to the party. Uh, he seems, like, interested in her. But also, I kind of got the vibe that she only really went because she was scared of the ghost. And she didn't want to be alone in the house. Yeah, that may be her motivation. Yeah. But also, we, we meet other people at the party. Uh, yes, so at the party, a lady in a wicked red dress oh, is performing. She, she is serving. She's performing on the piano for everyone. She's Lucille, Thomas's sister. Um, Thomas uh, performs the waltz. For everyone with edith um importantly he does this kind of instead of performing with the girl he was supposed to be wooing because he's more interested in edith and this kind of shocks everyone at the social life everyone goes <gasps> like clutching their pearls like oh my god he he's dancing with the girl who writes how savage uh they have some nothing conversations here where he says like I've always closed my eyes to things that make me uncomfortable. It makes things easier. And she says, I don't want to close my eyes. I want to keep them open. Uh, you know. Characterization. It's, a, uh, it's nothing speak for romance. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, they waltz so perfectly that the lit candle that they're holding doesn't go out. Um. It definitely looks like it goes, goes out. <laughs> no, <laughs> a few times. Um. Mr. Cushing asks a Mr. Holly to investigate the Sharps. Uh, Mr. Holly is played by Burn Gorman, uh, so you know he's a real fucker. A real shady character. I I think the dad is kind of an empathetic figure, though. As much as he kind of invokes, like, that masculine, toxic, like, don't look at my daughter energy, you kind of see scenes of them together and they seem to really like each other. The thing is, he's a little bit cuddly and cute. He is kind of adorable. Yeah. That's the problem. Um, 
We cut to a conversation with Alan and Edith. Uh, Alan believes that the dead leave behind impressions in the earth. Uh, this won't come up. This won't come up. Uh, he's kind of like flirting with Edith, but also he asks her to stay away from the Sharps. Um, he's very suspicious of them as well. Um, Edith, kind of not giving a shit, hangs out with Lucille, and uh, they discover some dead butterflies and discuss the nature of death, fragility, and beauty. I gotta say, their chemistry is pretty good. I want a movie where, like, it's kind of about them. A it kind of feels like she's wooing her, right? Uh, in the beginning, yeah. I mean, I wish there was more of that. But yeah. um, we also get a scene here of some CGI ants tearing into a CGI <laughs> butterfly that looks real dumb. The rules of nature. Da, 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 da. <laughs> um, Lucille is arguing with Thomas about Edith, but um, he's going to... Uh, Give her a red ring, quote unquote, to buy something with. This costume jewelry as plastic <laughs> as a bad ring. Um, but kind of before that can happen, uh, Mr. Holly delivers some mysterious bad news to Mr. Cushing. It's like a sealed envelope with some news about the Sharps. Um, at like another party, Thomas is kind of angling to propose to Edith. But before he can, uh, Mr. Cushing confronts them. And he shows them this mysterious document, and it's clear it's some kind of dirt on them. Um, he offers them money to leave for New York City, and also um, they have to upset Edith so much that she'll kind of lose interest in Thomas as part of the agreement. He says, fine by me, and goes all in. <laughs> uh, so he, uh, Thomas decides to do this by insulting Edith's novel in a very exaggerated way. And he's like, and your breath stinks. She gives him a slap. I know. It's a little tiny slap. Um, the next morning, uh, Mr. Cushing is like getting ready um, and is attacked by an intruder. And he gets his head slammed. He gets his in- shit kicked in pretty bad. <laughs> he gets fucked up. Uh, he gets a, his head slammed into a sink so hard that the sink breaks. Um, his head also breaks. Uh, yeah, we see that a little bit later. Um, no, you see it immediately, also. Yeah. Um, it's pretty sick, I would it's say. It's good. I think all the effects are actually really, really good. I think this movie, um, I don't know if I would fully call it like a quote-unquote horror movie. Like, there are horror elements, but um, they definitely make sure to, like, throw in some real scary and spooky and, like, kind of graphic stuff here and there yeah we'll definitely get to the monster design which is kind of the best most horror part of it but yeah i think it counts for that reason yeah um that morning edith gets a letter from thomas kind of explaining everything he says that um the document that um her dad kind of showed them was proof that his financials were bad um and that he didn't really want to insult her. He was just doing that for the bit. But he really loves her and he's going to come back for her. That's what they all say. It, it's clear that this is like a ruse at this point. Um, I, I feel like, honestly, at this point, having seen this movie before, I feel like they show their hand way too early that there's something up with them. I mean, I think it's like obvious the whole time. Like, uh, you never see the document, so you never know exactly what it is. You feel like this is kind of this subtle manipulation 
the letter arrives like just perfectly like before Edith hears about her dad dying and before And you have them whispering the whole time like is she the one? Are you sure you <laughs> are you sure she's the one? Like I'm going to buy her with this. It's like it shows its hand way too early and it has nowhere else to go. Like when you find out that they're doing devious shit, it's like no shit, <laughs> Sherlock. Um but Edith kind of runs off to catch Thomas before he leaves town, and they have a romantic encounter. Um, but tragically, when she returns home, she receives the news that her father's been killed. Um, and Thomas kind of uses that as an opportunity to comfort her. Um, impor- he swooshes right in. He swooshes right in. Uh, Alan tries to kind of stop her from seeing the body, but she looks anyway. Remember, remember well, earlier when she was like, I don't want to look away. Remember that? I I mean, it's also legally required <laughs> that next of can't identify the They body. make a point to say that, uh, no, legally she has to look at it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's the point. Um, at, Why are all these other stupid men here? Uh, we cut to the funeral and see Edith with the red ring on her finger, on her wedding finger. Yeah, she got it from Payless. <laughs> Payless um, doesn't have rings. Cut to England, where... Uh, Cumberland. <laughs> Come on. It's uh, literally Cumberland! Is it really? Yes! Oh my god. That's kind of... Uh, do you think that's a nod? No. That's a real place. <laughs> <laughs> Spit your water out. <laughs> anyway, Thomas and Edith arrive at the Sharp Estate. Um, they're greeted by a strange, like, work hand who we never see again. Who says that? No, you see him several times. But what's his name? He kind of disappears. Uh, what's his name? Freaky. <laughs> <laughs> the one character whose name I don't write down. You're like, what's his name? <laughs> Flanny. Something. Uh. He greets Thomas and says that uh, he's been married for a while. If you don't know what's going on by now, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> also, they uh, pick up a, str- a quote-unquote stray dog at Edith's request. It's just a nice little papillon. It's, it's the, the cutest, cutest little, little thing. thing. <laughs> we do that sometimes. We say uh, the same thing at the same time. It's very creepy. You'll have to get used to it. This isn't scripted. Uh... The house is, uh, wild. Um, It's a real set. Yeah, it is. It's uh, very fantastical looking. Um, There's a big hole in the ceiling because it's, like, dilapidated. Now, Um, what would you do if if you were told you were arriving to this austere man's mansion and this is what you walk into? (laughs) Would would you feel like you're on that one episode of 90 Day Fiancé? Well... (laughs) The thing is, like, she knows that his finances are bad, and also, like, the idea is, like, the house is in shambles because they can't take care of it. They've been, like, uh, earlier we find out that he's been going to, like, Milan and, uh, and London and, uh, other places. He's doing too much. He's been, they've been traveling around trying to get funding for, like, this, um, this, like... Buy boards. This clay digging machine... Uh, and they haven't been able to keep up with the house. Oh, speaking of boards, there's like some boards on the floor, and this red clay is like oozing Seeping. up from the mines underground. It's not blood. It's not blood. Um, 
Edith, uh... uh... They go to this peak, which is crimson, and... <laughs> we'll get to that in a second. <laughs> uh, so Edith uh, thinks she sees, like, a, a woman in, like, this big elevator um, that goes down to the clay pits. And Thomas says that, uh, you know, the elevator just has a mind of its own, and uh, don't ever take it. Don't ever go down into the basement. Normal bluebeard bullshit. Normal behavior. I love it when my husband tells me to never, ever go in the basement. Get out. <laughs> Just get out. Um, she, like, runs a bath and he says, like, oh, yeah, the pipes are gonna run red at first uh, because of the clay. That's, yeah. It's just like New York. <laughs> it's just, they keep alluding to this, like, clay being blood. And when she turns on the faucet and a bunch of red liquid comes pouring out like blood, it's just... I think after the third time, I, get I would grow to expect it. <laughs> Um, Lucille is very cold towards Edith, um, and refuses to give her a house key because, uh, quote, some parts of the house are still unsafe. Uh, I mean, that's kind of believable. There are holes everywhere. (laughs) That's true. Uh, the dog finds a red rubber ball somehow and Edith plays with it. It's such a cute dog. The little ears! It's little (laughs) butterfly ears! I'm so nuts about this dog. (laughs) Um, a red ghost stalks Edith kind of around the house, unbeknownst to her. This ghost is, like, very similar to the black ghost we saw earlier. It's a new lanky ghost, though. It's interesting because her mom died of black cholera, so the ghost is black, but this one is red. Yeah. Um. Red cholera. Red cholera. (laughs) Um, the wind runs through the house and is making spooky noises. Uh, Thomas gives Edith some bitter tea. That's just tea. That's just called tea. <laughs> That's just tea. Uh, Edith, uh, the next morning, comes to see Lucille. There's an engraving above the fireplace called uh, To the Hills We Raise Our Eyes. Is that? In my dreams. I see that town. Uh... Silent Hill. <laughs> okay. Uh, Lucille tells Edith about her terrible mother and the attic nursery that's upstairs. Um, uh, keep a note, the, these are siblings in the attic. Uh-huh. In a gothic horror. Yeah, there's a gothic horror about two siblings who live up in the attic. We'll get to it. <laughs> um, Edith tells her that uh, Thomas hasn't quite consummated the marriage yet out of quote-unquote respect for her mourning. He's gay. uh back in buffalo alan is investigating the sharps and mr cushing's death uh edith investigates the attic and finds a bunch of moths and like an empty wheelchair Uh, steampunk devices steampunk uh i have to say like this house um doesn't look like a real house it looks like a like um fairy tale like british mansion um in a lot of ways like everything's very exaggerated um it's really good yeah, uh, you could say it's a set piece I, I wouldn't say it's like um it's like using elements of realism but it's exaggerated enough that you're like you feel like it's in a fantastical space yeah i mean i would believe that there are mansions that look like this though it's very visually striking i would say i mean I love physical sex. <laughs> you know 100%. I do. 100%. Um, 
Edith visits Thomas in his workshop. He's got a bunch of little inventions and toys. A bunch of useless bullshit, you could say. He says she's so different. And when she asks different from what, he says, uh, everyone. Do you understand? Do you get it yet? Do you get it? Um, anyway, they like almost fuck in the attic, but they're interrupted by Lucille. who uh, She's like, hey, I brought some more bitter tea. Um, drink, drink it. Edith, uh, investigates the house at night and discovers a box of wax cylinder recordings, which she very helpfully tells us, oh, wax cylinder recordings when she picks them up. You know. Because we as the audience don't know what they are. I do. Um, Sure. (laughs) You might not. Good for you. (laughs) (laughs) She's terrorized by the red ghost and, um, kind of gets cornered and retreats into the elevator, which goes down below the house into the quote-unquote mines. Um, they're just these vats full of the red clay that look like bubbling blood. Um, she finds a bunch of luggage that's been thrown away. Um, some of it is initialed E-S, or it has uh, Enola engraved in it, the name. Uh, Edith asks Thomas if anyone has died a violent death in the house, but he dodges the question. He's working on his clay mining prototype. What an interesting question. Uh, he's being Moby. Uh, he's like, oh, I'll never finish my machine. We'll never make money. Why did you marry me? I'm so useless. And it's Tom, stuff. It's Tom Hiddleston, so you kind of buy it. I don't. <laughs> uh, and he explains to Edith that in the winter, there's something called Crimson Peak, where the uh, red clay ore oozes up out of the ground and stains it red like blood. And now she understands. And now, blah, 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 she's been warned of Crimson Peak. She knows something weird is going on. Um, we now get, she understands. Uh, we get an uh, important cut here to Alan, who uh, meets with one of Mr. Cushing's servants, who tells him about uh, Mr. Holly, the investigator. Um, Edith is having nightmares of the Red Ghost, and she's coughing up blood. Um, she hears like strange noises and stuff through the house. Uh, we we gotta talk about her nightgown, her her wasting disease tuberculosis realness that she's in. All of her uh, little outfits are like a poofy shoulder number, with like a high high neck. Well, that's very turn of the century, right? Meanwhile, the siblings, as she kind of points out earlier in the movie, their fashion is a little bit behind hers. Actually, if I'm not mistaken, it's more proper Victorian, while hers is more turn of the century. I think it's very interesting. It's, uh, you know, characterization through fashion, which is good fashion design. That's good fashion design. Um, the red ghost tells her to leave and says that uh, his blood will be on your hands. Literally. Who could that be? <laughs> uh... Edith kind of has a big meeting with Thomas and Lucille where she tells them about her experiences and she's like trying to leave, but they give her more of the bitter tea and convince her to stay. And uh, Lucille says, you have nowhere else to go. It's really funny how they keep trying to make her drink tea when she says anything (laughs) controversial. Uh, There's a reason it's written down. Uh, Thomas and Lucille then are conspiring after that. They're like, how does she know about mother? question mark and uh is this is this after the the shining bathtub scene which is just the yes shining? <laughs> absolutely I, I noticed that extremely this time 
Um, Lucille also says that, uh, quote, once she signs the final papers, I want this over with. Do you get it? Do you get it? Do you get it? Anyway, uh, Thomas takes Edith into the town where she's given several letters. Uh, one is from Milan, Italy, where she's never been, and it's addressed to E. Sharp. Uh, Alan meets with Mr. Holly, who shares the dirt on the Sharps. Uh, the dirt is that Thomas is, dun-dun-dun, already married. Duh. Duh. I think most people would have worked this out by now. The movie practically tells you all of these twists. If you can even call them that. If you can even call it a twist, yeah. I mean, it's been so telegraphed the whole time. The movie's been like a straight line up to this point of the twist. Uh, Edith and Thomas are snowed in at a hotel in town. Um, Edith is trying to convince Thomas to leave for somewhere like London or Milan. And when she mentions that, he kind of tenses up a little bit. Do you get it? Do you get it? (laughs) (laughs) We can't keep saying that. I think Uh, they get it. (laughs) They probably get it. Uh, They have sex for the first time. You see his whittle hiddle ass. (laughs) What the fuck? (laughs) My note here is that, uh, in my opinion, Tom Hiddleston is deeply unsexy. (laughs) Get his ass. Literally. His little ass. He's not my type. No, you don't like British men with cheekbones? Can you believe that I wasn't on Tumblr in 2014? I was a stutal. They return home, and Lucille kind of freaks out that they slept together. She, like, slams Uh, a pot of food on the table. It's very disproportionate. (laughs) Jessica Chastain is uh, giving it her all, I would say, in in this gothic fantasy. Um, She notices Edith's letter from Italy. Um, When Lucille goes to make Edith some more tea, uh, Edith uh, steals a ring off the keyring that's engraved with Enola. Why the fuck would you label it? (laughs) Why would you just keep it on your keyring with your other keys? Why are you labeling your murder evidence? Um, Edith reads her letter from Italy and finds it addressed to Enola Sharp. Um... She takes the key down to the basement and unlocks one of the trunks of luggage. Um, we also get a cut here showing that Crimson Peak has started. The blood is, or the clay, is seeping up from the ground. Yeah. Uh, it's very striking. It um, is. I think it looks great. It looks really cool. Um, Edith discovers a gramophone player in the trunk and sealed envelopes for Milan, London, and Edinburgh. And in case we didn't already get it, we get voiceover here from the dad saying, you've already failed to raise capital in Edinburgh, London, and Milan, as a flashback. Funny. Funny it's those three places. Uh, she kind of looks into one of the red vats of clay and pokes around for a minute and then leaves. Uh, and as soon as she leaves, like a skeleton raises up out of the clay. And I'm not really sure if this is real or if it's more ghost. Yes. I can't tell. I think it's a ghost. I think it's an actual skeleton and not the ghost. I don't... It doesn't really show if they're buried on the property exactly, but I guess you can kind of assume that they are. I gotta say, if you were killing, like, multiple women on your huge property, why are you dumping them into, like, vats of clay, like, in your house where people can find it? The clay you're supposed to be selling to people. Anyway. Uh, 
Thomas finally gets his clay mining machine to work, but Lucille realizes that uh, the key has gone missing and goes looking for Edith. Um, Edith kind of like hides all of her stuff. Um, Lucille remarks that Edith hasn't had her tea. Um, and Edith finds like a clever moment to sneak the key back onto the key ring. I mean, it's not really sneaky, though, because she 100% knows and realizes it's happened. Yeah, like, I think Lucille isn't buying it at all. Um, that night, Edith plays the gramophone recordings, um, and between the envelopes and the recordings, it becomes 100% clear that the siblings are kind of whisking away women, poisoning them with the tea, taking their money, um, and putting it towards working on Thomas's machine. Um, we even see that the little dog was previously owned by one of the women. He's not Enola. I think it was Enola's. Yeah. Um, Edith tries to escape the house, but is snowed in. Um, the next... Yeah, it, it just tells you everything. You know, I kind of wish they had told me less here. I wish some of it had been a little bit less explicit and left up to my imagination. Well, I feel but... like you would have figured it out anyway, because they keep pointing you in these directions. I mean... That make it all too obvious. I mean, I had already figured it out anyway, which is why it's like, why did you have to explain all of this to me? Like, you could have left, you could have, if you really wanted to give, like, the explicit, yeah, this is happening to these women, you could have left that in. But stuff like the dog and, like, some of the other stuff, it's like, couldn't that have been a little bit up to my imagination to figure out, you know? I think they need the moment where she realizes it so that she can be kind of sneaky and try to get away but i guess by by this time everyone's already caught up yeah um the next morning edith is bedridden um and lucille kind of menaces her (laughs) with tea and porridge um thomas tells her not to drink the tea Um, and lucille and thomas are arguing over poisoning her but um kind of agree to continue with their plan you, you get the sense that he doesn't really want to do it. Yeah, he's, like, getting cold feet and trying to back out, and she's, like, tightening her grip on him, basically. Because the pussy game was that good. Uh, Alan arrives in England to go after Edith, but is delayed by the snowstorm. Uh, Edith talks to the red ghost of Enola and walks in on Thomas and Lucille being sexy in the bedroom. Uh... They're not having sex, but they're kind of, like, breathing on each other. They're being sexy <laughs> they're in being the bedroom. Sexy. They're, like, very clearly, they're, like, undressed and, yeah. like, kind of all over each other. It, it's their Game of Thrones moment. Uh, Lucille pushes Edith off a balcony into a snowdrift. Literally a Game of Thrones moment. Um, but Alan kind of arrives just in time to mess things up. Um, he reveals that... Uh, the Sharp's mother had her head bashed in, just like Mr. Cushing. Um, and kind of the whole plot is clear at this point. Um, and Lucille stabs Alan in the armpit. As soon as this guy shows up, you know he's fucked. You do, yeah. Um, Thomas stabs Alan as well, but um, he kind of talks to him quietly. And he's like, where do I stab you to not kill you? Because it's clear he's trying to back out at this point. Um, the dog doesn't make it here, though. I know, it's so sad. I wish they didn't include that. It doesn't really matter. I mean, It doesn't matter! Why do you have to put the doggy in just to make me sad about the doggy? I mean, they're, they're trying to make Lucille as evil as possible. I guess, yeah. Um, it's like reverse save the cat. 
Um, Thomas gives Alan uh, an escape route in the basement while Lucille burns Edith's manuscript and kind of threatens her into signing the money over to them. Um, she reveals that she had a baby with Thomas, but that it was deformed, and she says she's been doing all the killings for love. She also takes a lock of Edith's hair as a trophy, which she lines up very neatly next to locks of hair for each of the other victims. She, she's just a serial killer at um, this point. She also reveals to Edith that um, Lucille was the one who killed uh, Mr. Cushing by bashing his head into the sink. Um, and Edith stabs her with a pen uh, and runs to the elevator where she encounters Thomas and... Um, he tells her to, to try and leave and uh, that he'll burn the asset papers. Um, he does that, but Lucille confronts him. He says that he loves Edith. Uh, she freaks out and stabs him in the face. I don't know if this would kill you. I don't know. Uh, he just kind of slumps over at one point. Yeah, it's kind of through the cheek, so I, I don't know if it would or not. It's pretty gnarly looking, though. I'll yeah. give it that. Tries to pull it out. Guillermo del Toro loves face trauma. Yeah. I'm thinking of that Pan's Labyrinth. It, in Pan's Labyrinth, and there's also a similar injury from Devil's Backbone, but you haven't you haven't seen that movie. Alright. Um Lucille uh, goes after Edith, who manages to escape down to the basement. Um Alan can't do anything because he's injured, uh, but he hides while Edith kind of leads Lucille up to the surface. They have a pretty sick knife fight amid Thomas's like kind of machine yard where the blood is seeping up, the blood, the clay is seeping up out of the ground. She she has a she has a Higurashi machete. Yeah, Lucille like reveals the machete. It, it's a sick knife fight. Uh, also, there's just stairs to the basement. There's just another entrance to the secret basement. Yeah, it's not very well hidden. Um, Thomas's ghost distracts Lucille and Edith uh, smashes her head in with a shovel. That's pretty good. That was pretty sick. I like that. She should have kept hitting it. She has like a sick one-liner afterwards. Oh, it's so embarrassing. It's so embarrassing because Lucille is like, I'm going to keep coming after you until I kill you or you kill me. And she bashed her head in with a shovel and he's like, you already told me that. No, I heard you the first time. I heard you the first time. Marvel sting. (laughs) Uh, yeah, so that happened. Uh, yeah, we get the same shot from the beginning of the bloodied Edith. Um, her and Alan are able to escape because I guess before Alan came out to the estate, he like told some people from the town to like meet him at the estate or whatever. Uh, and we cut to inside the mansion where the ghost of Lucille is playing the piano as Edith gives a monologue about the nature of ghosts and then. We see, we see that uh, Edith has finished her book and it's titled Crimson Peak. That's it. That's it. Um, my my next note here is that it, it's just all a little too neat and tidy for me. Um, I like this movie. Don't get me wrong. I think it just meanders way too long on information that people can kind of gather for themselves. Yeah, I mean, I felt like... Um, the expositions... Are a lot. I felt like I was a hundred percent here for like spooky period piece romance that feels like yeah we're doing Pride and Prejudice and Frankenstein at the same time. I was like sure that. With, I think if you're in like, it for that, you'd really really like it, and it's visually very interesting and very stunning. It's got that Del Toro flair to it. 
But if you start to pick it apart, I don't think you'll be very satisfied with the plot. This is definitely a movie where watching it for the show, I think, hurt it a little bit for me because I'm really kind of trying to pay attention to everything and think about, like, the themes and, like, what is this movie telling me and, like, what's the information that's being given away, like, visually and what's, like, given away in dialogue and stuff like that. And this movie kind of just, like, I don't want to say disrespects its audience, but it just, um, it's another movie that's just way too explicit for me. It treats you kind of dumb. And everything is wrapped up too neat and tidy at the end with the bad guys dying and the good people living and, you know, the right two for each other are going to go on to their romance that's implied at the end and she gets to write her book and it's all a bit much for me. Um, That said, pretty good movie. Um, I have some notes on like the production and stuff, but do you want to just do our ratings so that we can kind of get that out of the way? Yeah, of course. Okay. Um, so first is spookiness. Uh, this is just kind of the scariness of the movie. How good were like the jump scares or like the regular scares? How good is like it at building tension? What's the tone like? What is it? Vis- is it visually scary? Um, what would you give it? For as few and far between as they actually are, I kind of want to give it a three. Just because the ghost designs are really, really good. And I really like the homages it's kind of playing to The Shining with the bathtub scene. And it, it is very scary the way they appear very suddenly. And yeah, I dig the effects a lot. Yeah, this is a really interesting movie for me because I feel like the scares are not the point at all. No, they're not. Um, But the stuff that's in there is well done. Um, I think, yeah, the effects are really good. Um. I think it's a little spread thin in terms of the scares. I would almost like this to be a little bit more like a classic horror movie where the tension is building and building and there's lots of scenes of like kind of slow building horror like that. Um, I feel like this scene kind of needs it's like shining blood coming out of the elevator moment and it didn't really have it. Um, Well, the whole ground is blood. There you go. (laughs) Uh, but, you know, I, I like three for it. I, I think it works. Um, I think it's kind of, um, on a production level, really well done. Um, I just don't know if it's, like, integrated well enough into the actual story for me, for me to give it, like, a four or a five. Yeah, I agree. Um, next is watchability. So this is how easy is it to kind of just throw the movie on and enjoy it? Um, what, what would you give it? I think I have to dock it a little just because we have tried to watch it before and, <laughs> and and we got a little bit bored with it maybe. We tried to watch it a couple different times. It it becomes a little meandering at parts and there comes a point where it's a little bit, um, I guess you could say, redundant yeah. <laughs> in its storytelling. Sure. So I, I would say probably a three. Yeah. Um, I think for me, like, If this movie were more my kind of movie, like, if I were a person who really wanted, like, a Jane Austen kind of horror movie, um, I think I would love this. I think this would be, like, 100% my jam. I would watch this, like, a million times. Um, But that's not really, like, my favorite stuff. I I do get a little bored by it at times. Um, I do think it's a bit redundant with some of the stuff. I think... 
I would really love if there were some more like scary music in this. I feel like there's not very much of it in this. Um, and it leads, it's kind of a blockbuster soundtrack. It, it's a lot of scenes of like people just having a conversation with each other with like not a lot backing behind it. And I think like I need a little bit more mood and tension. So yeah, I think I'm going to give it like a three. I think for some people, this is probably like a five in watchability. It's just not quite. I think the vibes are immaculate. Yeah, the vibes are really good. Um, which leads us into our last rating, the Vincent Price vamp rating. Uh, this is the individual performances, the campiness, the kind of charisma of the movie. Uh, what would you give it? I want to give it a four. Just because the vibes are very good. It It's almost entirely revolved around building that gothic horror atmosphere. It's like if you ordered an AI to make a gothic horror movie, this is what it would make. <laughs> it just has everything in the kitchen sink in there. And I kind of like that. Yeah, um, I think, like, the performances are pretty good. Um, this is maybe a good time to mention that there was a chance that Benedict Cumberbatch was going to play the Thomas Sharp character instead of Tom Hiddleston. And I think that would have made this movie insufferable. Um, he's not as dreamy. Thomas Hiddleston, he's not my type, but he has this, like, warmth about him that kind of sells the character. Um, it, it was going to be one of those... One of those men. One of those British men. Well, also, like, I think both of them are kind of creepy looking enough that I buy them as kind of sinister British men. But only Tom Hiddleston could have sold the, like, um, face turn at the end where he, you know, has a change of heart and kind of dies tragically. Um, so I think that performance is good. I think Jessica Chastain, yeah, she's, like, putting it all she's, out there. She's my favorite. Yeah, in this, definitely. Um, so, yeah, I, I like a four for, for Vamp. Um which is, you know, that's pretty good. Uh, the vibes are good. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm i kind of surprised that this didn't succeed as much as it should have. Because I feel like people are always looking for this gothic kind of story, movie, vibe, bullshit. I know so many, like, I'm going to sound mean here. I know so many boring people <laughs> who I think would love this movie. People love Underworld. I don't know why people love Underworld, but it didn't get as much attention as Underworld. You know, we, we talked about, like, um, the, the I think it's 2005 Pride and Prejudice movie. I know people who adore that movie to death. I know people who really like The Nightmare Before Christmas, like, too much. Too I feel, much. Who, who should love this movie. This is, like, right up their alley. A hundred percent. This is in 2015, right off of the Hiddleston era of, <laughs> of Tumblr women who would really, really love to see a little bit of his butt cheek. Yeah, and that's in there. Yeah. They, they put the little bit that there is in there. Um, My point stands. Uh, but, yeah, the... The movie was made for like a budget of fifty five million, but only made like seventy five million. So effectively, kind of like broke even when you consider like marketing and stuff like that. Oh, I forgot. Do you have bonus points to award for this movie? Bonus fuckability points. Now, are we talking about the ghosts or or the serial killers, <laughs> <laughs> flowers in the attic, siblings? I think either or both. Whatever speaks to you here. Jessica Chastain gets a four. Tom Hiddleston wow. gets a two. Okay. So 
But how many, like, total bonus points do you want to award? Because right now... I, I think it evens out to a three. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that brings your score from a 10 to a 13. Is that, like, enough for you? Do you want to tone it down a little bit? That's fine. Okay. So... I mean, bonus is bonus. Bonus is bonus. Yeah. Uh, I give it, like... The thing, the problem for me, the problem with this movie for me, is that Tom Hiddleston isn't my type. I think... And Jessica Chastain's not my type. I think the character's a little bit my type. Yeah, the character doesn't do it for me. Tom, and Tom Hiddleston, in certain lightings, I find him palatable. But when I saw those <laughs> chapped fucking lips, I was a little bit disgusted. <laughs> I'm more of a Charlie Hunnam kind of guy. That's fine. Uh, and Mia Wasikowska as the protagonist, I'm not really into either. No. Um, I- I'm not really looking for a Victorian orphan. So, uh, I don't really have any bonus points to award. I'll give it, I'll give it like a one. I guess she's literally a Victorian orphan. That's a great point. It's great casting. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, your score is 13 and mine is a 11. All right. Pretty good. I'd say pretty pretty accurate to how we feel. Uh, But yeah, um, you know, this is a pretty good movie. This is Del Toro's uh, movie that he makes after Pacific Rim. I guess he was trying to get this made after Pan's Labyrinth, but he had other projects going on. Um, it's interesting that I, I I like a lot of his earlier work as a director a lot more. Yeah, I think lately he's more of a he's more of a production design guy. I really like his design sense and his production sense more than I like him as a director at this point. Yeah, I mean, I really wish we got the Del Toro Hobbit movies um, or Hobbit movie. He wanted to make one. Um, I feel like that would have been really good. Pacific Rim is one of my favorite movies. Um, I, I just like kind of what it's all about. I love the tone. I love the big robots. I love the goofy soundtrack. Talk about a movie that really goes on the soundtrack. Um, oh, yeah. So, yeah, but I, I see what you're saying. Um, I want to show you a few more of his movies, especially the ones that he's produced. Yeah, like, definitely. Like The Orphanage, I think, is an interesting one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, apparently, um, when he pitched this to the studio, he pitched three ideas. One was uh, a Count of Monte Cristo modern adaptation, which I would love to watch. That would be sick, yeah. Uh, two was this movie, and three was an adaptation of H.P. Lovecraft's At the Mountains of Madness. Oh, that would have been so cool! Which would have been awesome. That makes me mad. <laughs> Um, I guess the studio settled on this one because it was, like, the right budget level for them, for what Mm. they wanted to do. Um, And Del Toro has said he kind of wanted to get away from, like, B-movies or found footage and kind of do a throwback to a classic horror film. He said that movies like uh, The Omen, The Innocence, The Exorcist, The Shining, The Haunting are the big references for him. Honestly, I'm surprised he didn't just say Flowers in the Attic. Because V.C. Andrews is kind of all over this. Yeah. Gothic horror is full of messy romance stuff like this. I mean, I love the gothic romance twist in this, honestly. Like, it's not my bag, but I do think it's really good for the movie. Like, I I love the concept. It's the scandal of it. (laughs) Um, Some other funny stuff about this movie. Uh, Apparently Stephen King really likes this movie. That's funny. (laughs) Uh, he said, like, around the premiere that he thought it was uh, really terrifying, which is funny because I don't know if I would ever describe this movie as terrifying, but... I mean, the creature design is very good. Yeah. 
But it's not a terrifying movie. Uh, my only other fun piece of trivia is apparently while doing location scouting for The Hobbit, um, Del Toro and some of his crew stayed at a haunted hotel in New Zealand, and it inspired some of the scenes from this movie. Now, define a haunted hotel for me. Uh, I mean, that's the all that the Wikipedia trivia had for me. Or... I need more information <laughs> than that. Uh, I guess uh, what it had was that um, specifically when um, Edith hears like the sounds of a murder happening kind of down the hall when she wakes up, that, that happened to him. While are you, he was sure, are you sure that's not just couples in New Zealand? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, pretty good movie. Uh, I like it. I like it. I think. Um, I think it's it's very easy to pick apart, and I'm not sure if it's everyone's bag, but I kind of enjoy it on a casual level. It's just a, for what it is. That that's kind of why I gave it the points I did and watchability because like it's a good just casual watch. Um, I could definitely see like maybe coming back to this. I could see watching this with like, um. With, like, my mom. <laughs> oh, it's such a mom movie. I feel like my mom would like that movie. <laughs> 100%. She likes Twilight. She really likes Van Helsing. I know, she loves those cheesy kind of gothic horror movies. Which, Van Helsing is more pulling from, like, the cheesy action movie uh, kind of zone. Or, like, adventure movie. She likes Underworld, too. She does like Underworld. Yeah, this is a your mom movie, for I'm sure. I'm calling out my mom. <laughs> That's fine, you're allowed. Um, but yeah, I, I would say, like, overall pretty good. We both liked it. I wouldn't say either of us, like, loved it, but... It's very unique in what it is, for sure. I like that it exists. You yeah. know, I like I said, I like the concept. I like the Del Toro flair. Um, some of the execution doesn't work for me, and I think um, if my taste was a little bit different, I would like some of it more. I think um, if you plug your ears and look at it, you'll really like it. <laughs> That's such a backhanded compliment. <laughs> well, what do you want me to say? All I'm saying is we might need to think about how we award our bonus points. Because if you gave this a 13 and that's how you feel about it, that's a little high. It is a little... That's why I was a little confused because bonus is bonus. It's like on the side. Okay. Sure, so... You the get... regular scoring is the burger and that's the french fries. Interesting. Okay, so we both give it an 11, but you give it like three bonus points for... for... The leads meat. being cute. Me, <laughs> Points for meat. Uh, <laughs> anyway, do we have anything else or should we get into... Sack time. <laughs> bring, That's it. Bring me the movie sack. <laughs> you sack, sir. <laughs> what do you have, like cholera or something? Do you uh, have old timey disease? Yeah. It's anyway. called the green sickness. <laughs> I've got the sickness, sir. <laughs> I'm wasting. The wasting disease. I'm beautiful as I'm dying. Uh, this is the movie sack segment, the segment where we pull a literal movie out of the out of a bag, out of a sack, 
Uh, it's going to be our movie for next week. Opal, you're the keeper of the sack. You uh, decide what goes in and what goes out. I replenish the, the little slips that well, go in the sack. I guess I decide what comes out because I pull the movie. Uh, it's your fingers that are choosing. That's right. I've chosen the movie. Are yeah. you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Next week, we'll be watching Paranormal Activity. <laughs> this is a movie that we watched very early in our relationship together. I'm really excited to That's revisit right. it. I'm excited to talk about it, certainly. We, I know we watched Paranormal 2 as well. Have we seen 3? Did we I just watch all of them? Three. I don't think so. I don't think, think so. we've seen 3. Uh, I've seen 3, but you haven't. Paranormal, a movie that has come up on this podcast a lot. Yeah, I didn't mean to do found footage so close together, but I added that a few weeks ago, obviously. I, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a great discussion. I think uh, it'll be fun to talk about because I, I saw it in theaters. So wow. that, that's a whole thing. Okay. All right. Well, we'll talk about that next week. Uh, Opal, where can everyone find you on the internet? I think I'm just going to plug my card here. It's opal.card.com. It's got all my links and stuff in it if you want to find me anywhere and the podcast also has its own twitter at scary pair where we post updates and cute little pictures and stuff and whatever you want yeah follow us on twitter uh also i would say if you enjoy this podcast tell your friends about it Uh, ask people to listen we don't um you know we just kind of plug it to our friends and people seem to like it so uh if you do we don't advertise yeah i encourage people to listen we don't have my favorite murder money this is literally just us in our apartment. We watch the movie and then we come sit down and record the podcast. So it's for fun, but if you'd like to encourage us to keep doing that, yeah. uh, you know, tell people about it's it. It's encouraging. Uh, anyway, I'm at putrid underscore imp on Twitter. Uh, my other podcast, Level With You, Level With You Pod on Twitter, uh, World of Warcraft Classic Podcast. Give that a listen if you like that. Uh, Opal, I think we're done. That's it. That's it. That's it. Goodbye. Ew. <laughs> what was that? I fell down a hole. Oh no.